The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we're going to talk about the off-season schedule and speculate on a little bit of Austin FC business. My name's Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody, I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And Landon, this week, I would like to talk about Brad Stuver, which is probably a great topic every week. Do you agree? Yeah, we should just talk about him every week at the beginning of the show. Should be, what, Stuver Tower Soccer, I think. Is maybe, <laughs> maybe we should go for So, I mean, I want to say i've been to you know i'm a a guy that goes to events and and you should maybe tell people why because i think maybe people see see you at some of these things and think it's because of the podcast and that's by no means the case most of the time (laughs) i I love that somebody would think that our podcast celebrity allows us access to uh events and galas all over town but no that's it's kind of my job and running marketing and community affairs and insurance companies to to go to a lot of things and you know, over the last twenty-ish months, there have not been a lot of things to go to. But the first three things that I went to this year have all involved Brad Stuver either winning an award or presenting <laughs> something, which is kind of incredible. So, um, the first one was the Four ATX Foundation Gala that was at Q two, and he won the um, like Legend of the Year along with Derek Chubbs from the Central Texas Food Bank, and then. Soccer assist, uh, Aaron Rockland's gala was a couple weeks ago. And I think that was, were you, is that right when you went to Ireland or you were out of town, right? Yeah, I was in Ireland already. Yeah, you were in Ireland already and they presented him an award. And then this past weekend on Friday, I went to the LB, L, the Austin LGBT Chamber Gala and he also won an award there for, um, you know, speaking on behalf of underserved and marginalized communities. And Austin FC was a big part of that. I think they won like, partner year last year they presented an award but i just thought it was incredible how a guy who one year ago today wasn't even on the team has just like embraced the community and in addition to being such an amazing player is an amazing person and i feel like that's a really good and positive way to start this show yeah he uh, again we should definitely talk about him at the beginning of every show he's he's amazing and i am so thankful to have him uh on the team and in our city um speaking of of off the field things. This is a thing. So Jeremiah, you're going to be out of town next week, right? Yes, I am. I'm going to be in Orlando for, again, for a work thing, but it's a conference. So we have been playing around with some like fun things to do in the off season while we have less news to talk about, no games to talk about. So next week we're, if, if all goes according to plan, we're going to debut uh, a new segment that may, we'll see, may or may not become a semi-regular thing, but it's going to be a show just about the boys. We're only going to talk about the boys, and we're going to have some special guests on here. Uh, we'll we'll be posting some more details on social media as we get closer to it, but we're going to have, um, I, we're usually a pretty analytical show. We kind of like to break things down and a more analysis-based show next week, at least half of the show, is going to be not that. It's going to be more of a Mary Booth Kill type of show. So if you're into that, uh, definitely tune in next week, and we're going to have some fun stuff for you. Do you have a working title for this show yet, or is that something that we're going to save for Do we want to say it? I, don't, I mean, I, I'm fine either way. I don't know. <laughs> how, do, how do you feel about that? I feel like you should. I feel like that would be a really good okay. setup for it. 
Yeah, we'll go ahead and say it. It's going to be called Swoon Tower Soccer. And uh, this is all credit goes to Steph Crognola, who's going to be involved in in this show, uh, along with Mike Ellison. And so uh, we did a little brainstorming session yesterday, and I'm very excited about it. Jeremiah actually doesn't know much about this yet. so <laughs> I af- don't, but af- I, I love the title so much. I'm in. <laughs> After we get done recording, I'll, I'll fill you in, Jeremiah. That sounds great. That sounds all right, great. let's jump into Austin FC news. So last week, uh, the, the day after we recorded the last episode, uh, Austin FC ended up announcing some of their off-season moves. So there's a list of players who uh, whose contracts were up, um, and there was a few who they had options on and they could renew. Uh, some of them, they were just over, and some some like we we didn't really know they were up because they weren't free agents, uh, didn't meet the free agent uh, criteria, which we'll get into a little bit later as well. But uh, the three people who had uh, who had options available that Austin FC did end up picking up were Alex Ring, Freddie Kleeman, and Will Pulisic. So before we move on to the ones, the options that got declined, let's talk about these guys for a second. So with Alex Ring, did, did you think there's any chance that they weren't going to pick up Alex Ring's option? No, that's an absolute no-brainer for them to pick that option up. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, the next one may be a little more surprising, Freddie Kleeman. Were you surprised to see him still on the team? I'm, I'm a little bit just, um, you know, Josh Wolf did not seem to trust him on the field. But so I don't know how the, these decisions are made. You know, I don't know if it's that Claudio sees more in Freddie's future than Josh or Josh thinks an offseason will allow him to develop. But yeah, I was definitely given the ways that we worked hard not to put Freddie Kleeman on the field this year, including stuff like playing Nick Lehman at center back. Um, I was surprised by that pickup. How about you? Yeah, I think I think an important thing to remember with Kleeman is that he was supposed to be on loan for most of last season and due to injuries ended up not being on loan and having to be at the team just because we didn't have enough players essentially. Um, I, yeah, I, I think essentially this just means they believe in the future of Freddie Kleeman. If even if they don't necessarily believe in the present of Freddie Kleeman, that they do think he's going to turn into a real player and that he's worth uh, keeping around. Um, the next one, Will Pulisic. So this one was uh, like, I'm not necessarily surprised they kept him around because he's going to be on a minimum contract. He's uh, to the supplemental roster. Yeah. So he's uh, on the supplemental roster. So he's not taking up senior roster spot, not costing a lot of money. We also still have Andrew Tarbell on the team. And so I guess, I don't know. Do do we think that? So uh, to skip ahead a little bit, Brady Scott was, uh, his option was declined, and so what? Where do you? How are you looking at the the goalkeeper landscape right now? Do you think Stuver, Pulisic, and Tarbell are going to be the guys? Do you think we try to move Tarbell because he's kind of an expensive backup at this point? What? How are you seeing this right now? Well, I agree that he's an expensive backup, and I agree that I don't see that Pulisic is like a viable option. I don't believe that Pulisic is a viable option to be the second keeper. So I feel like either we're going to sign another veteran or we're going to keep Tarbell, but you know, I don't see none of us see Pulisic every day, right? But he must have the club must have seen enough of him to think that there's some promise there, at least as a third keeper, in order to 
choose him over Brady Scott, which is effectively what they did. Right. Yeah. And it's, I think I've always kind of thought of Will Pulisic as just a guy to fill a spot, but maybe what you just said is exactly right, that they they kind of do see him as a prospect, or maybe he is just a guy to fill a spot because he's cheaper than Brady Scott is uh, as far as salary goes. So uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch with to see if Tarbell actually ends up on the 2022 roster. Um, so let's move into the options that they declined for players. So uh, two of them were just loans. So Sebastian Beralter and Manny Perez were on loan. Uh, Beralter is getting sent back to Columbus. Uh, Perez is getting sent back to Portland. I'm not sure if Perez has a spot on the Portland team. He may end up playing for their second team. Uh, Berhalter, though, what, how do you feel about that one? I feel like Swoon Tower is probably very disappointed in Berhalter <laughs> going back. Uh, I was not that impressed with what I'd seen out of him and um, feel like that we can replace him relatively easily with somebody else yeah i a little bit torn at certain points in the season but for the last few performances we saw out of little sebastian i'm not all that surprised that we're going to send him back especially given the fact I, I don't know how much the transfer fee would have been how much we would have had to give up to to keep him around but we could definitely probably like we could probably get someone for free like no transfer fee whatsoever that can do what little Sebastian did for us this year, if not more than that. So yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's probably the right call. Uh, okay. Let's get into some of the more surprising ones. So the contract options that were declined were Jared Stroud, Ben Sweat, Kakuta Mane, Brady Scott, Aiden Stanley, and Aaron Schoenfeld. So um, Stanley Schoenfeld, uh, not super surprising, Brady Scott, we're a little surprised by that one because he was uh, an expansion draft pick. Uh, we now have one player left from the expansion draft, which is Danny Hooson. Um, and which, then, which some people probably are not very excited about, right? In terms <laughs> yeah. of who we have left, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kakuta Mane, a little bit sad to see to see Kakuta go, just because of uh, kind of like the character he is. He seemed like a good locker room guy. A uh, good friend to uh, to Musajite, one of the only people around that that can actually communicate with him. So that'll be interesting to see if they try to, to replace him in in that regard. But with on the field performance, Kakuta did not deserve to to have his option picked up. So um, yeah, on the field, not sad to see that one, but off the field, a little bit, yeah. Then the two surprising ones for me, or at least somewhat surprising. Uh, Ben Sweat and Jared Stroud. So Ben Sweat, uh, I like Ben Sweat. I thought he, I think I, the last time we covered this, we kind of talked about how, or at least I did, I wanted to see Ben Sweat stick around. I'm guessing it probably came down to him just being a little bit too expensive to be the second string left back. Is that what you think it is? I think that's the only thing that, make, that makes sense uh, is for that to be the case. And I mean, I get that. I hope. They did. They did say that they're negotiating with a number of players. They never specified that, but I would like Ben Sweat to be one of those players. But given that we got rid of Sweat, I'm a little bit surprised that Stanley left and that we let go of Stanley and kept Kleeman because Stanley played 
not that either one of them played a lot, but like Aiden Stanley played four times as many minutes as Freddie Kleeman. And one thinks that outside back is every bit is thin right now as center back. So I'm a little bit, knowing that, I'm a little bit surprised they didn't keep Aiden Stanley around for the same reason they keep Freddie Kleeman around. I think that probably just means that with offseason acquisition mechanisms, they think they can do better than Stanley. And they don't think, uh, and they think they can't do better than Freddie Kleeman. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's a it's a bet for Freddie Kleeman's future, and not necessarily his present. But we'll see. Uh, the other one, Jared Stroud. I think this one didn't necessarily surprise me because of Jared Stroud's performances, but it did surprise me a little bit because he wasn't on that initial list of uh, the list that came out were free agents and people who had options on their contract. I think because Jared Stroud did not um, did not meet the requirements for free agency, he wasn't on that list. And so that's why we didn't necessarily know about it. But turn, come to find out, he, he was on an option year and Austin FC did not uh, pick that up. So um, are, are you, how do you feel about this one? Are you upset to see Stroud go or are you okay with it? I mean, I love Jared Stroud's work rate. I love what he did. And he seemed like one of the bright spots out of the expansion draft. But if you really like dig into any any numbers, I mean, he wasn't really all that good other than being like young and fast and handsome. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I was actually a little bit relieved to see Jared Stroud go. Um, he had a few really bright, memorable moments for the team, like a few assists early on assisting the goal and a goal later on in the season. Uh, but in between those moments, there wasn't a lot to be very excited about. And I don't think it was, um, I don't know that there were a ton of, uh, like other circumstances causing that. I think we saw who, who Jared Stroud is as a player. And I don't think it's good enough to, to make a difference on a high performing team. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I wasn't super sad to see him go, uh, as a, performance performance standpoint um so he did get a lot of minutes there at the end of the season do you think that was somewhat of an audition for him was he playing for his job at that point i mean he he might have been um and i guess it's too, too bad for him that it didn't work out um i mean i think there's a little bit of that and a little bit of this didn't have a lot of their options either right because rodney was either hurt or terrible or whatever which i think is probably the most like you know, player to Stroud. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Do you feel like that's the case? Is that why, is that why we saw him? You think he's playing yeah. for, playing for a gig? I was curious, like whenever the, we kept seeing those lineups come out with Stroud in it and yeah, I, I was thinking it's either, okay, this is a guy who's definitely going to be around next season. So we're going to see what can, we can get out of him and maybe build some chemistry here or it's a uh, go out there and show us that you deserve another contract. And it looks like it was probably more so the latter. Um, so that leaves us uh, going into the off season where there'll be lots of opportunities to pick up players, to move on more players. That leaves us with 16 out of our 20 senior roster spots occupied. So there's four senior roster spots to fill and then six out of our eight supplemental spots are occupied. So two spots to fill there. And then international roster spots. Uh, how many of those do we have, Jeremiah? And why is it unclear? 
Well, we have been led to believe that we have zero international spots available. If you go to the Austin FC website or the app or MLSsoccer.com or whatever, you'll see that we have seven international players. And I guess an important thing to know if you don't know is that you get you have up to eight internationals that you can have on the roster at any given time. And it comes down to like, is Danny Pereira international or not? Because we believe that he is, but he's not listed on the website as one. Right. Yeah. And we've also learned to not trust the MLS website as a 100% source of truth. So um, he's also generation Adidas and there might just not be enough like slots on the website to, to also put international. I don't know what the deal is there, but we were, we were led to believe earlier in the season that he does fill an international spot. He's been in the country for a while now. Right. And then he wasn't able to go to, was it Vancouver that right. he couldn't that make the, the he, trip to? Yeah. He could make the trip. Right. So it seems like he's working on some sort of different visa status, if not citizenship. And so if he were to receive a green card or receive citizenship, he would no longer fill an international spot and that would open open up uh, another spot for Austin to use. But given how uh, how immigration stuff has been going recently, see Musajite trying to get into the country, uh, I, it seems like stuff like that is going super slow right now. And so... I don't know if they have plans to open up one of those spots or if they're okay, they're okay with not using any more international spots, but uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch as well. Yeah, it's one of the weird things about how sort of the world and the pace of government just plays into MLS and how MLS is probably not that important, like in the, <laughs> you know, sort of the, the grand scheme of things. Because I think, I mean, Joseph Martinez was in the country for like a year and got his green card with Atlanta in 2018 and then that freed up an international slot, you know, and now we've got, I mean, it took Musa GT that long to get onto the field. So it's just all these things that are going on have sort of a downstream effect on, on, on soccer in a way that's very important to us, but probably not that important in the grand scheme. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to talking about MLS next pro. So MLS next pro is a new league that the the intended goal is to kind of bridge the gap between MLS Next, which is the the academy development, like the academy system, the youth system. Its intention is to bridge the gap between MLS Next and MLS. So in the current setup, there's a lot of players who aren't quite ready for the first team, um, but need to be getting minutes. See, so think about Freddie Kleeman going on loan, ended up having to come back, but went out on loan. Brady Scott went out on loan. MLS has to use USL, a completely separate league, a separate entity to develop these kinds of players. What MLS Next Pro is intending to do is to create an in-between league. So it'll be kind of a secondary professional league where these players can go play, get minutes, and hopefully use it as uh, as a stepping stone into MLS or even into other leagues. Uh, but it's it's a place for MLS teams to put players that aren't quite ready for uh, the big show but are too old for the development academies and uh, a place to play them without having to send them off to another league, essentially. Um, so this is going to start in March of 22. 
21 MLS teams are going to start then. Then uh, eight more teams are going to start in 2023, including Austin FC, which was not entirely clear to begin with because they weren't included in several of the league press releases. Um, I think that's been corrected in some of the sources, but not all of them. But Austin FC actually put out their own release saying that they would be involved in the 2023 season of next pro. So, um, I guess what is, what other questions do we need to answer about what next pro is? I mean, I think the the biggest thing is like, what's the difference between next pro and what does it mean for the USL? I think it's my, is my biggest question about it. Yeah. So I was digging around on Twitter and kind of asking some people, uh, like USL people essentially what they think about this like does this diminish USL's importance in the soccer landscape or does it allow them to kind of become their own thing uh, and it seems like most of the informed USL opinions that I read seem to think it's maybe a little bit of both but more so the latter that uh, USL has made some recent announcements that they're thinking about switching to the European schedule. So breaking from MLS's schedule, they're planning on moving to a pro rail system within USL. If MLS teams were in that, then they probably wouldn't be able to do that as easily or maybe not at all. And so I think it probably does free up USL to kind of do some things differently that they've seemed a little bit beholden to do things somewhat the same as MLS to kind of stick in the system because they benefited from that system a little bit by getting players on loan or, or things like that. But I think it really will kind of help USL in the long run to become their own entity and kind of do their own thing. I think it will also take some talented players out of the USL system. So I think it'll hurt them in that regard. Um, but I, I, I'm hoping it will kind of give them some freedom to do some cool stuff and and help American soccer be be better in the long run. Yeah, well, one, I mean, one of the other one of the parts of this, there are I think seven or eight USL clubs that are directly owned by uh, MLS teams, and some of them like New York Red Bulls, Sporting KC, Atlanta United, all sort of play under like Sporting KC too, and then some of them have different names, but they're owned by it. So, I mean. What is the future for those? Is that those clubs become part of MLS Next Pro, correct? Yeah, they. I think there was some because they they announced that there would be some type of league a while back, like several months ago. We knew some type of league was coming, but we didn't know what it was going to look like. We didn't know what kind of players would be able to play in it. Um, mm-hmm. But it looks like now all MLS teams that have a team in USL are going to move over to Next Pro. And the only team that wasn't listed in starting in 22 or 23 was Montreal. Uh, I don't know if that was an oversight as well, or if they're just going to not field the team in this competition. Uh, neither would surprise me, but it looks like all MLS teams in the next couple of years, minus Montreal, are going to have uh, a next pro team playing by 2023. So it'll be the other two Canadian teams? Were it were on that list? I believe so. I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure they were. Yeah, that make that makes sense. So you uh so there's an athletic article by Jeff Ruder. 
who interviewed the was the new commissioner of the club that talked about uh, kind of what the vision was. Yeah, is the, the commissioner of the club. Title the is the, the, league. the president. Uh, so president of MLS Next Pro Charles Alchek, and he was told Jeff Reuter that uh, they're going to view this league as kind of a a space to try new rules and concepts on and off the field. So. I think a way to kind of visualize what that is, is that MLS has actually done this some with like new ways to use VAR, uh, concussion protocols, substitution rules, things like that. MLS has kind of tried some of that stuff out for FIFA that then got moved out, moved on to the, the international stage. I think their idea is to kind of use MLS Next Pro to do some of that stuff so it's not as disruptive in a top tier league. Uh, and then you can move it up to MLS or maybe to, to the rest of the world if, if it ends up working out, but they kind of see it that way. And I think another thing that came out and came through in this, uh, Jeff Ruder article is the difference between this league and a reserve league. So MLS actually had a reserve league up until 2014. And this is what a lot of, uh, a lot of international clubs, have as well, where it's essentially uh, like a U23 team. And they explicitly said that's not what this is going to be. They'll they'll actually be able to sign any age of players. So they can field a team of 35-year-olds if they wanted to. And so I think that's where it's going to be a little bit different as far as what the teams look like. But again, the, the plan is to to have a competitive uh, a competitive place for young players to get minutes. I think that's going to be the main purpose of this all. So to the testing new ideas thing, do you think we'll bring back the 90s style shootout to see if that works? No, I, he, he a actually, 35 yard. <laughs> no, they, they, they specifically excluded that. I would not that rule specifically, but he did say like, we're not going to do anything gimmicky. It's going to be like, Oh, okay. Things that like, they would essentially be like working with FIFA on things that like, Hey, we're kind of kicking this around. Uh, that we might implement worldwide. Would you like to like test it out for us essentially? Um, but yeah, I, I actually really like that idea as a way to break ties in games. Uh, not every game, but like in a, in like a knockout round, I think it's a m more accurate representation of who's better at soccer than penalties are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I agree. I mean, and we don't have enough time to get into like all the, <laughs> dumb gamesmanship ways that people take penalty kicks annoy me. Um, now, I got my children into... We're not going to re really talk about the MLS Cup playoffs, but during the uh, the New England NYCFC game, which went to kicks, we talked about like the jump step and like the stutter mm. step and all those things that are super frustrating and annoying in terms of like not really being soccer things that are gamesmanship that happen in those kicks, kickoffs. So looking at this league, conceptually, I like the idea of, of having a place for these players who don't really have a place to go to be able to stay within an MLS system and get minutes. But as far as what it's going to look like in reality, like they're probably going to play, like when Austin fields a team, they're probably going to play out at the training center, uh, which holds, I don't know, a thousand people or something like that. Like, is it going to be a thing that people get into or is it going to be a league where they're playing to empty stadiums and uh, like, I don't know, like they, they're saying it's not a reserve league, but if you're playing 
it's a team that nobody really cares about and is only meant to bring up younger players. It feels like a reserve league, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels a lot like that. And that's where maybe USL is able to differentiate itself. But I, I can't imagine people... One, that's a lot of players that we're going to add, right? You're going to add a whole league's worth of players that sit somewhere in between a youth team and an MLS first team. And I can't imagine they're going to pay as much as USL does. So I feel like there's going to be six or seven or maybe fewer than that players who are like, you know, really legitimately competing for MLS spots and like a whole bunch of filler. And I think that's not going to be conducive to people wanting to go out and watch it. Yeah. And then what about like naming? Chris Bills was asking on Twitter earlier what people would like to see the name be or like would Austin FC 2 be exciting to anybody? Because that's probably what it's going to be. <laughs> right. No, that's a great point. And no, I don't I don't think it would be, but I can't imagine that this, this works any way other than being another team playing in the same city or area. You know, maybe they're the Round Rock Unicorn Shark Killer Dragons or whatever. I don't know, you know, but they have, I mean, they have to be around here somewhere. And yeah, I just don't see a lot of organic excitement for these these kind of clubs. I mean, I understand in terms of development why they're doing that, but I don't think they're going to turn a whole bunch of people out. Which I don't know that they even care about. Like, I don't think they're looking at this as like, uh, like probably not going to be marketed a lot. It'll probably be branded the same as the main team. I think MLS is looking at this as strictly a way to control their development pipeline and not have to rely on USL to help them with it. And then probably eventually as a way to take over more of the United States soccer landscape uh, under their own umbrella instead of uh, USL being a part of it. So that will be interesting to see how that develops over, I mean, over the next four or five years, it probably isn't going to be a huge deal between the two, but USL is growing. And to see how these two leagues coexist 15 or 20 years from now will be very interesting to see. So uh, that could be something to keep an eye on at that point. But I think for now, it's uh, I think it makes sense for both both sides of it. I just hope as both sides continue to grow that it doesn't become detrimental to the well-being of United, like American soccer. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's there's places for both to to thrive. It makes sense. And at some point, MLS is going to stop expanding. And then you got all these cities that are have strong soccer culture and fan bases that they kind of do their own thing and not be a part of MLS, you know, somewhere it's a place like Louisville is never going to be a part of probably the MLS system, but there's 15, 20,000 people that want to go watch them play every week. And so I think that will free them up to do that. All right. Uh, let's move on to talk about the Austin FC media game real quick. So were you, were you following along with that the other day, Jeremiah? I followed along with that more than I thought that I would, that I would <laughs> want to. Um, so yeah, it was kind of cool. So at St. David's Performance Center, um, Austin FC invited two full teams of media types to play, and a lot of people tweeted about it. And I think somebody shot a drone video of of like all the goals. So, so if you go to Twitter, you can <laughs> check out the highlights. Uh, what did you think about that? Uh, I think it's fun. Like uh, we we got a few shouts of of people on Twitter thinking saying that we should have been invited to be coaches, which I would have. Uh, very much welcomed, but yeah, I, I think it's cool to see the club doing things like that. And like, 
re- like rewarding the folks who have been in the press boxes all season long and coming out and like they're they're a part of like the club the club ecosystem, and so I think it is it's a cool thing to see them uh, bring those folks in for for a bit of camaraderie at the end of the season. Yeah, I think it was really neat. Now, so for those of you that have better things to do with your life than follow that, Bob <laughs> Ballou scored a hat trick, and I was very surprised by that. It's not, I mean, on a, it's like Brittany Flowers and Mike LaHood and, I mean, Chris Bills and Roberto Silva and, like, some people that have, like, real soccer credentials, you know, out there. I would, like, it was probably a pretty high-quality game, I think, overall, don't you think? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, because Bob Ballou, I don't know Bob Ballou, but I wouldn't have guessed he was going to be the guy who scores the hat trick in the game because Michael Hood was an MLS player like not very long ago. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how hard Michael Hood was going on that. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it seemed like it seemed like it was a lot of fun. Um, look forward to doing it next year. I guess if anybody at the club is listening, if you need. Uh, you know, color commentary for the game next year. We are happy to take a day off work and sit in and call the Austin FC media game for the club website. If we can make that happen. All right, real quick before uh, we take a break, let's talk about MLS cup final. Uh, it's going to be Portland Timbers versus NYC FC. I know a lot of, uh, the the fans of MLS Chaos wanted the game to be hosted at Yankee Stadium to have the championship game of the league hosted inside a baseball field. Uh, they're not going to get their wish. It's going to be in Portland, which also used to be a baseball field, right? Yeah, and I would recommend. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to forget this. There's a there's a documentary about that uh, Portland baseball team in the 70s on Netflix that I highly recommend people watch. And I can't remember it. I'll put it in the show notes. And it was a team that was owned by Kurt Russell's dad that <laughs> that brought people in, and then like Kurt Russell got to play on the team because like because his dad owned the team. Um, but yes, they eventually turned it into a soccer stadium, and uh, you know Portland is on a pretty good run. I'm I'm happy because I picked them for the final. I'm very happy to see them playing where they are. How the rest of your bracket turn out? Oh, it was awful. Like the, I. <laughs> Mine was so in the final four teams, I got zero of them, zero of the last four in the tournament. <laughs> I guess my whole like picking based on vibes thing didn't really work out. That did not, yeah. Nashville did, and then you know the thing that I that I said was I picked New England this year because they were the supporter shield winners to win the East. I picked Philadelphia last year because they were supporter shield winners to win the East, and so. I think what I've learned is never pick the supporter shield. Win- well, <laughs> what in the year before LAFC was in it? LAFC was supporter shield winner, and they didn't win it either. So don't do that again. And the the movie I was referring to is called The Battered Bastards of Baseball, which All is right. about the about the Portland Mavericks, and I would highly recommend it. All right, cool. All right, we are going to take a quick break, but whenever we come back, we're going to go through the off season schedule. So this is going to be the period of time when Austin FC starts making moves, picking up players, getting rid of more players, potentially. Uh, We're going to go through all those dates and all those mechanisms and try to explain what each of them is and how each of them works. And then we're also going to go through some uh, potential free agent options that uh, that will be available to Austin FC. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. 
FEF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community transparency and client education. You can go to FEF.law to find out what makes FEF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FVF.law. All right, we are back to talk about the off-season schedule. So we're going to go through some of the mechanisms available to all MLS clubs uh, to to uh, refill their rosters with, with players they've gotten rid of. Uh, so the off-season schedule is going to go essentially from like December 12th to uh, December 23rd is going to be a pretty busy period. So I think one thing that's important to understand is uh, the different ways that you can be a quote-unquote free agent. So in other American sports, if your contract's over, then you're a free agent. You can go to whatever team you want. That's not necessarily the case in MLS. So to be a true free agent, uh, you have to be 24 years old or older and have played in the league for four years or more. And so if you meet that criteria and your contract is up, that means you can go play for whatever MLS team you want to. If you do not meet that criteria, uh, then if you're 22 years old, or older and have one year of service, you would go into the re-entry draft. And so what that means is you're you're not technically a free agent, but your contract is up. Uh, it essentially means you don't get to go to whatever team you want. There's going to be an order of teams, the re-entry order, uh, that essentially teams can uh, put out a request for you. They say, I would like this player. Whoever's highest in that entry order gets dibs. They get to go first. Um, and then if you are younger than 22 years old or don't have one year of service, then you're essentially in the, the waivers draft. Um, we'll cover this a little bit, but it's, that one is probably less important. No, I think understanding free agency and re-entry players like out of contract re-entry players are probably going to be the two most important ones to, to understand. So Jeremiah, do you want to take us through kind of the timeline for the next month and what, what we have to to look forward to. Yeah, we'll do that. And then we'll talk a little bit just for context um, on sort of what happened last year um, in terms of Austin FC. It's going to be fresh in everybody's minds and maybe we'll help people understand kind of where we can, where we can expect people, us to pick players up during the off season. So, you know, right now we're in the, um, we're the period where people announce their options, who the players who will and won't have their options exercised. And that'll go, through December 12th, which is through the MLS Cup. Um, that's where the Austin's list came out from last week, and we've started to see lists from other teams. And when we talk about free agency, that's where we will we will know who the free agents are available. Um, and then on December 12th, from 8 a.m. to noon, there's a half-day trade window that opens up, um, which is the first time that uh, MLS clubs can begin making adjustments to their roster by trading with other teams. And so last and so year... This this essentially gives teams a, a, the chance to trade players away or bring players in before the expansion draft. I that's kind of the main purpose of this this half day window, right? Right. So there's players that are on rosters. They may they may be people that because we haven't we haven't seen the expansion draft protection list yet. So they may be players who were going to be protected, or maybe weren't players who are going to be protected, um, and that allows like clubs to 
I assume sort their rosters out and sort of make final decisions who they want to keep or who they want to let go based upon um, this half-day window. And it was a big year for Austin last year. So we got Nick Lima, John Gallagher, Julio Cascante, Ben Sweat, and Ulysses Segura all during the course of a half-day. Um, so they were our first... What would they be? They would be our third through seventh players in the roster, I think, at that point. Yeah, we, that sounds We had right. it before, before that sounded. And in all those cases... We acquired them through various amounts of of gam. So I think that's something we could see again this year. Do you feel like that 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 we that we'll see some of those moves? Yeah, maybe not as many because expansion teams get a little bit of extra allocation money to spend, and we had a lot more spots to fill. And so I think there's a good chance we'll see one or two moves for Austin, either incoming or outgoing during that half-day trade window. Uh, but I don't know that we're going to see five again like we did last year. Yeah, five five does seem like a lot. Um, I remember that was a really... So Anthony Precourt was tweeting a lot of smoke, if I remember yeah. right, <laughs> that morning. And everybody was excited. I think you and Wellhouse and I probably had a text chain going. It was kind of nuts uh, <laughs> during that morning. So that's on December 12th. Then on December 13th at noon, that's when the full list of free agents remain available. Um, and that's important because that's also when the teams announce who's going to be open for the expansion draft. So a lot of people will ask us who who may stay, who may go, who do we think uh, free agent targets are. We don't really know all that. We're going to speculate on it because you've done some work on the list. We don't really know that until December 13th at noon. Yeah, and with the expansion draft, uh, it goes so quickly. They announce it the day before, and then the expansion draft happens the next day. And so, again, like trying to do the speculation in between those two times is a little bit pointless. And I think we learned that a little bit last year. <laughs> An expansion <laughs> draft. The expansion draft lasts like twenty five minutes too, right? Yeah. This is another important thing to remember. Also. <laughs> All right, so what's next in the timeline here, Jeremiah? So the expansion draft is set on the 14th. Charlotte will take up to five players from the eligible player list. Um, I think there, we talked about this last time. There's 20, I think 22 teams who will have to make players available. Austin's one of them. We covered earlier in this show our expansion uh, draft selections and maybe how they should have been better. So I don't know that we need to go into that anymore. Do you feel like... Uh, yeah, Austin's like expansion draft was very bad <laughs> and, uh, Charlotte, has, Charlotte would have to have to do some work to do worse than what we did. So, uh, can you, yeah. can you name all five of them? Yeah, I think I can. Okay. Jared Stroud, um, Brady Scott, Danny Hooson. Joe Corona, who ended up not actually signing for us, and Kamal Miller, who we traded for allocation money and an expansion and a super draft pick. That's perfect. And that super draft pick became Frederick Kleeman. Yeah. So, so I don't uh, and I, I don't know who the allocation money became, but hopefully, hopefully uh, it was enough. It wisely. was enough to buy Julio Cascante. So okay, so Julio Cascante and. Danny Houston or what we got out of last year's expansion draft and Charlotte probably will do better than that. Okay. So let's, <laughs> let's get through that. So on December 15th is the end of year waivers 
which is not a draft, the end of year waivers process, which works basically like a draft because you start with the worst team and go um, down, like Landon mentioned the criteria for it. And then on December 15th, free agency opens, which is probably the real opportunity for us to make some interesting moves. Yeah, definitely. So you you looked into last year's uh, re-entry and waiver processes overall and how many how many re-entry or how many players were picked up in the re-entry process so the re-entry process through two rounds were eight total players through two rounds and almost none of them are with a team and honestly the most interesting re-entry player was houston taking joe corona in the stage two of the re-entry draft given that we had just yeah given like a week earlier expansion draft (laughs) yeah given a week earlier we had taken the expansion draft he ended up signing with houston and and ended up kind of being a nothing player, I think, right? Like they didn't get a lot out of Joe Corona either. No, he wasn't a. Um, he didn't. I, he played some, but wasn't a very important player on a pretty bad team. Um. So yeah, yeah. re-entry stuff is going to be December seventeenth and December twenty third. I think we can kind of leave it at that. I don't know that we need to go further into that. But free agency—that's where Austin FC has the best chance of actually picking up some some players. And like Jeremiah said, that's going to be December 15th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Is that right, Jeremiah? Right. That's when that's when free agency opens is that day. And let's I think let's talk about why free agency is where we probably stand the best chance of adding players. Because we've seen some random Mexican, Mexican international guy here becomes available and everybody thinks it's somebody we should sign. So let's talk about how designated players work and the U22 initiative works and why we probably shouldn't expect to see a lot of action sort of out of that part of the roster build. Yeah. So I think we've gone over this on the show a few times, but I think now that we're kind of in this moment, it might make a little bit more sense. So Austin FC currently has three designated players. We've got uh, in order of salaries, highest to lowest. Sebastian, We're not, we're not going boof. We're not going boof, Mary kill. Like <laughs> not, again, order. not again. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Sebastian Giussi, Cecilio Dominguez, and Tomas Pochettino. Um, with this new U22 initiative, you then also have the opportunity to add three more players uh, under that category that you can spend, again, transfer fee, whatever you want, as long as their salary is under, I think, like $500,000. Um, And so that essentially gives you some more lottery tickets on spending money on some young players who might become very good players one one day. So, and for for us, those are those are Musajite, Rodney Redes, and Jean Kolmanich. So, if you use up all three of those U twenty two spots, that means your third DP has to make less than essentially one point six million dollars. Uh, Tomas Pochettino is well below that, but because we have all three of those U22 spots filled, that means we cannot, if we buy down Pochettino, it, it doesn't, like, we can't fill that spot with just anybody we want. And so, uh, you see there's the whole Vincent Janssen rumor has come back again. It doesn't make sense, right? Because Vincent Janssen is going to want, A, he's going to want more money than $1.6 million. And we probably have to pay a transfer fee for him, which would up that salary budget charge even more. And that counts into, into what, what counts as a designated player or not. So 
the only way Vincent Janssen is coming here is if he takes a huge pay cut or if we sell Drew UC or Dominguez. I don't think any of those things are going to happen. And so if you see any of these huge names attached to Austin FC, it's probably BS, right? Yeah. I mean, we could buy down Pochettino and replace him with like somebody who costs about as much as Tomas Pochettino. Right. That's that's yeah. really where it, that's really where it sits. And from what we understand, the person can't necessarily be international unless we also ship an international out. So there's like a lot of restrictions on what we're able to do. And that's where free agency and trades are really where we're going to be able to build, to build the roster. So that's, right. that's the setup for like, and I'll give all the credit to Landon in the world for Landon's list of interesting free agents. Yeah. So I was going through uh, the list of players who look like they're going to be available again, like Jeremiah said before, up until like the 15th, like these guys could resign with their club. And so they do have the, the chance to resign with their current club or at least be negotiating with their current club. So some of these guys may end up not being uh, available, but I just went through and, and looked at some of the names that I thought a were interesting and B might fit into needs both positionally and, and skills wise. And then also salary wise that could fit into Austin FC's roster. So a few off the top here, uh, Jordy Delem from Seattle is a defensive midfielder. Uh, he's still just 28. He was only making 194,000. He's, uh, coming off of an ACL injury, so didn't play. I don't know if he played at all this season. Uh, so if they are looking for a kind of a affordable defensive midfielder option, he could be good. Uh, Stephen Cleveland, also from Seattle, he ended up starting for them several, several games. Uh, that's if we actually end up having a, a goalkeeper spot up open. So I could see that but being... But that's, that's only if Tarbell goes out, basically, right? Right. Essentially, it would be a cheaper backup goalkeeper that you know would be good if you needed to play him. So um, uh, another one, Ethan Finley, that I think Chris Bills mentioned in our Twitter spaces that we did last week. He has uh, history with Wolf. He played in Columbus for six years, part of which Josh Wolf was the assistant coach there. Um, a decently productive right wing, not, not amazingly productive, but uh, kind of one of more of those like glue guys in a team. Um, but he was on $450,000 last year. So he'd need to take a pretty big pay cut. Uh, these yeah, last, I was, I was looking at him just to go back. I mean, his last strong season was 2015 when he scored yeah. 12 goals and had 13 assists for Columbus. And then like since 2015, the most he scored what seven in 2019 for Minnesota. Um, yeah, this year he had 30 yeah, he's appearances. Not all that productive. Three goals, two assists is all it was. So $450,000 for that is probably not worth it. Uh, Jan Gregus from Minnesota is also, they, they didn't pick up his contract, but he was a designated player on a million dollars and he does not meet the free agency requirements. So my guess with Gregus, even though I, I do like him and I think he's a good player, my guess is he leaves the league uh, and goes back over to Europe um, so he can actually choose who he wants to play for and still make good money. Um, so these last few names, another one that's also not a free agent, Io Akinola. So promising young striker uh, was playing for Toronto. He ended up getting hurt at the beginning of the season, was out with a knee injury all year, um, 21 years old. He was only making $157,000 
for a a 21 year old striker prospect that's extremely cheap um the word on the street is that he is probably still negotiating with Toronto like they're probably going to try to bring him back um but if he doesn't end up coming back he may end up being in the reentry process which we have the fifth pick we're like fifth in that order and so if he comes through he might be available um the last two oh sorry i have three more uri rosell who's a defensive midfielder for orlando he's someone who i really wanted austin to take in the expansion draft and this was before we bought alex ring right i don't think we had gotten alex ring at this point but right uh, he's 29 years old He's was on forge in $75,000, which I think is probably too expensive unless you're planning on him to come in and be the number six and Alex ring to like consistently play as an eight. Um, and then also uh, he's still in negotiations with Orlando. So again, may not be available. Uh, Francisco Calvo from Chicago is an interesting one. So a center back a Costa Rican center back, he's 29 years old, uh, I think maybe I don't know if he's currently still playing with Costa Rica, but has played with them recently and like has been good for them. Uh, he hasn't been great for Chicago, and so. But, I mean, it's Chicago, and there are yeah. lots of people who haven't been great for Chicago. So there's like maybe some system question in that too. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, so nine hundred thousand dollars, I w- would not mind paying a center back that much money, if we knew he was to come in come in and like be the guy and run that defense. The fact that Calvo has underperformed for the last couple of years gives me a little bit of pause for him to be that guy. But uh, there are also some rumors that he might be going back to Costa Rica. So again, maybe not, not available, but an interesting name to look at. I think my favorite one on this list is Sean Davis from Red Bulls. So he is a central midfielder. He's played some six and some eight. He's 28 years old. Uh, he's on $402,000, but is in his prime and just kind of had like a career season this year. It's been really good this year. And so he would probably want more money than that. But if he was coming in to be a, a day in day out starter, that's not, that's not bad. I'm okay with that. If we end up paying a little bit more than that, uh, he's, Pretty solid defensively and probably attack-wise has a bit more range than Alex Ring does. Um, like So probably a better attacker than Ring, a slightly worse defender than Ring. But he can play ahead of Ring as kind of that box-to-box eight. And then for Red Bull, he's actually played quite a bit of uh, like a playmaking six, kind of like what, uh, what Wolf tried with Danny Pereira several times. And so he could f- step into that role and be really good there as well. So... He is also still in negotiations with the Red Bulls, so may not be available. And again, I don't know if Austin is even looking at midfielders. Do you think do you think they would take a guy that's like that big of a profile uh as a six or an eight? Or do you think we have those spots filled? If if it was I think there's still a gap there. I mean, I feel like we're still short. But do you think they would fill it with more of a... I I don't don't think we're spending that much money on it. I mean, I think we have to go... The Jordy DeLim profile is maybe more realistic. Yeah, I mean, with a guy like Sean Davis, you're effectively giving up on Pochettino, right? I mean, yeah, but... Yeah. Like, earn your spot, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) 
Mike, get that, but that's a lot of money to spend. I mean, given like where we have places where we don't really have anybody competing to earn the spot, like for example, center back. I mean, we we know that's like a hundred percent a definite need there. Like it seems like a luxury of a thing to have to to spend a lot of money on to me. How about you? Yeah. No, I agree. I think if we did something like that went that big on a midfielder, it would need to be requisite upon the fact that we're also going that big on a center back. Because so do, you I, think we have, I, do you think we have the money to do both those things? That's, I don't know that like, it's such a big mystery, like how much allocation money we have, because I think we ended up using some of some like 2022 allocation money for Alex rings trade. And so it's, it literally is a complete mystery how much money we have, but we do get like topped up on that allocation money every year. So we'll have a new batch of allocation money coming in that we can spend on stuff like this. So yeah, maybe, maybe it is possible, but I, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So the one uh, back to center back. So Calvo is the one that you highlighted. Do you see other first choice options? I mean, where, where do you, I, well, in, where, do you see, f- where do you see that coming from? In free agency, I was like really was digging through. And of the available options of either free agents or people who are just out of contract and would go through reentry, I don't think there there was anybody on that list that could be like the guy. And so, so I think it's going to have to come through a trade or from abroad. Okay. So those are your, you think like a trade or something or... It's probably yeah. still it's gonna be the most effective way to fill that spot. Cause like I don't see a way going to the next season without filling that spot, right? No, we have to. We have to. And it's if we knew like what I would pay to to have a list of MLS center backs who have one year left on their contract. Uh, cause that is the guys who we should be looking at. But we don't know who those guys are. And I I let myself get really excited the other day about um What is his name? Aaron Long or somebody else? No, somebody else. Um, I don't know. We talked about anybody else in this show. Justin Glad. Justin oh, yeah, Glad that's right. for RSL. Yep. So Justin Glad's like, I think he's 24. He's not on huge money. And he was like, he was a, like a, a kind of a rising star in national team, uh, national team discussions when he was younger. And that's kind of fallen off, but He's the kind of guy that I would love to go after. That would be like an Alex Ring level transfer at that point. But I looked into it more and he actually renewed his contract in January. So he would probably be way too expensive for us to get if they were even willing to let him go. Uh, but yeah, if if we could get a list of center backs with one year left on their contract, that's going to be where our guy comes from probably. But we don't know who those guys are. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get... Um... We'll know a lot more in two weeks when we do this show again because all these, uh, the list will be out, reentry draft will have happened. So we're just wildly speculating right now, but hopefully we'll be able to bring a little more insight and thought into this when we, the next time we record a, a full show. Yeah. And uh, like there, there can be moves made after those dates, but I think the next three weeks are going to be a pretty busy period. Uh, the next thing after that is going to be January 11th, which is the super draft, which is it's the college draft. So we're going to have the fifth pick in uh, in the super draft. 
Uh, I don't remember who the fifth pick was in this year. It might have been Ethan Bartlow that went to Houston. Anyway, fifth the fifth pick is kind of like the uh like the tipping point of like definitely going to be a contributor to like maybe he'll never make a roster. <laughs> and so I don't know enough about the the available players in in this year's draft but the fifth pick is not necessarily guaranteeing we're going to get a star. But the fifth pick the year before was Daryl DK. So Ooh. there's always that, there's always that boss. <laughs> that is very unlikely. I don't want anybody to pin their hopes on that. But Daryl DK was the fifth pick in the super draft at one point. All right. So there is hope. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else we need to cover uh, acquisition mechanism wise, Jeremiah? No, I think we've covered we've covered the offseason. I think one thing I learned from last year and what we thought was going to happen and what actually happened is that they were very different and we shouldn't be in the projection business. <laughs> Um, all that to say, I think free agency and trades are going to be when we, we've said that more than once, but those are going to be the way that we add players. So I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in the reentry draft or waivers or even the super draft, but really that's that's the way we're going to build this roster or the international market at this point. Right. 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 Yeah. Because we don't, yeah, we don't have the capacity to, to really do a lot on the international market. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to close it. Uh, we would like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And then uh, we'd like to continue the conversation into 2022. Come find us on Twitter. We're, we're hoping to do some more of those uh, Twitter Twitter spaces as like breaking news comes out. I had a lot of fun talking with Chris Bills last week. Jeremiah was listening to Junior High Tubas at the time and so i did i did not have as much fun listening to junior high tubas i mean there's one tuba that i'm very personally invested in (laughs) that was amazing the other tubas were not incredible yeah and i just on that you know we we want to talk to everybody more and sort of expand our reach we want to do it in a way that that people people want to hear so if you want more spaces if you want more live events if you want something else like we'd love to know what that is you know the show is really built by the people listen to it and the fans. And we appreciate that. And we just want to, to meet everybody where they are. Or so if you, if there's something that we're not doing or something we are, you know, some other place we can be, just let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you, like we said, if you want to continue that conversation, I'm at LVHero87 on Twitter. Jeremiah's at jbentley underscore ATX. And you can find us on Instagram at Moon Tower Soccer, and then you can always send us an email through the contact page at MoonTowerSoccer.com. And then we'd like to encourage you to visit the Striker Texas website. Jeremiah, what can folks find on there this week? Well, there's a couple things. Chris Bills is going to be doing a series throughout the offseason, uh, a position-by-position review. And the Striker Texas also has a page on the website that keeps up with incoming players, outcoming players, and will keep you up to date on the roster as it stands uh, as of every day. All right. Sounds great. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We will be back in one week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. Muchas gracias. Bye, bye.